Okay. All right, I got a 5.30 a.m. wake up, so let's get going. Yeah, I am I am same. I am the same. Okay, Elliot, today on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, we're going to try really, really hard to set a new record for most information per square inch. We got to fly because we both have flights in the morning as we record this late on Monday night. Let's try to get through as many things as we can and still maintain Amal Delich's sanity. Let's begin with the San Jose Sharks. Let's begin with Mike Greer. What's the latest? So the expectation is he's going to be named the general manager of the Sharks on Tuesday. Long history in the family of executive work, but not in hockey, of course, in football. We talked about this briefly a couple weeks ago. His father, Bobby, more than 30 years as an executive and scout in the National Football League. His brother, Chris, is the current general manager of the Miami Dolphins, and he started his career as an intern for the Patriots when his father worked there and moved his way up the ranks, scouting, and then eventually management. So even though Greer doesn't have a long history in NHL management circles, he certainly has been around management and sports and executives in sports for a long time. So maybe there's some osmosis here. Was a shark. Yep. You know, we've talked about that. Wasn't a primary focus in terms of you didn't have to be a shark to get this job, but there's no questioning a lot of people with sharks connections were interviewed. Greer has an excellent reputation just as a a person. One of the stories I heard, I texted Andrew Peters tonight Hmm. to ask him because they played together for about a year and a half in Buffalo. And I said, give me a good Mike Greer story. And this is what Peters said to me. In 2005 and six, he bought all the young guys on the team Michael Jordan's biography. Hmm. He quietly came in one day and said he gave the books to Peters, Ryan Miller, Paul Gostad, Derek Roy, Jason Pominville, and Thomas Vanek. Said he wanted us to learn about what it takes to be a winner and the attitude that inspires him to be great every day. Did it when no one was looking. I busted him doing it and told all the guys about it, obviously, which is very Andrew Peters. That's an interesting story because I've talked to you before, Jeff, about how the Jordan mentality, and there's a lot of people who watched that documentary and thought he was too over the top. You know, I think if you want to be great, you've got to be wired somewhat like that. So I'm interested that that's the biography that Greer bought a lot of his teammates. So Hmm. he's a serious guy. There's no question about it. I think we're all wondering if this is going to mean that David Quinn is going to end up being the head coach in San Jose. We will see. Well, that was going to be my next question. At what point do you think he'll be able to buy a copy of that book for his coach, Elliot? Look, we've all been wondering about it, right? If he would be the guy. Greer's a Boston guy. He was at Boston University under Jack Parker. But I think a lot of us are kind of wondering about it. Okay. As we fly through topics and fly through names, we get to Alex DeBrinkett of the Chicago Blackhawks. What's the latest? So I've been working on this for a couple of days. And I do think Philly and Chicago were engaged in talks on Alex DeBrinkett. Definitely. What I'd heard was that things being talked about there included the fifth overall pick, the one that the Flyers have in Thursday's draft. Yep. And when I was on with Kipper and Bourne 
on Thursday morning, I mentioned, was the fifth going to be included in this? And somebody reached out to me on Monday night before we recorded this podcast and said, don't continue going down that road. And what I think happened is that Chicago asked Philly for the fifth overall pick. And I don't think Philly wants to do that. I think Philly has decided, Mm. at least at this time, that that does not make sense for them and that they're better off keeping the pick than trading it for Debrinkit. You know the team that I wonder about with Alex Debrinkit, and we've seen their general manager talk about the pick being in play? I wonder about New Jersey. I think everybody wonders about New Jersey, Jeff. The one thing that New Jersey made very clear was if they were trading Debrinkit, it was for a player who was under a lot of team control. Debrinkit mm-hmm. is under team control for two more seasons. He's got one more year under contract and one more year until he's an unrestricted free agent. Is two years enough for New Jersey? Because then you've got to extend them. Mm-hmm. You're really handing leverage to the agent. I think everybody wonders about that. Knowing how New Jersey feels about this, I wonder if they would consider two years of Debrinkit acceptable mm. to trade second overall for him. That is a, uh, that's a tough one. We'll yeah. see. This is going to be a fascinating week leading up to Thursday. Matt Murray, Netminder, Ottawa Senators. So I, I wanted to clear up something that I said. I was on with Martine on Sunday night from my friend's barbecue. Uh, and <laughs> so a uh, Bruce Garriock reported last week that they might have to trade the seventh overall pick to get Murray's contract to move. And I wrote, I don't think they're going to do that. Some people interpret it as a shot at Bruce. I didn't mean it that way. And I don't like that because I know at this time of year, there's so many things flying around that everybody can get caught or like I had a GM actually reach out to me about a transcription. And I was like, I never said that. So I think that you have to be so careful. And, and maybe I was a little bit careless. I do think there was a team out there that said to Ottawa, if you want to move Murray, we'll do it. But you have to include the one. I don't think Ottawa wants to do that. I think if Ottawa's going to move that pick, mm-hmm. it's going to be for a player who can help them, either a right winger or a right defenseman. I think that's kind of what I wanted to say. I do think that was pitched to the Senators, but I don't believe that's something they really want to do. Let's default away from Matt Murray here, but stick with the goaltenders. And I want to ask you about Darcy Kemper. I want to ask about Simeon Varlamov, but let's start with Marc-Andre Fleury. The marriage to Pittsburgh... Fleury was on vacation. He's back in North America. I think he's going through the process right now. I think he's begun the process now of figuring out what he wants to do. And one of the things I think that's going on behind the scenes, and I'm not accusing anyone of doing anything illegal, God forbid that be happening, but I do think the goalies and their representatives are trying to figure out who's in, who's out, and where the chairs are at the table. And so I think Fleury is one of the guys that kind of has to figure out what he's thinking because he could have multiple options. One of them is Minnesota. One of them is Pittsburgh. I think one of them could be Colorado if Darcy Kemper's not back there, and we'll get back to him in a second. And the other one, I think, could be Toronto. So Fleury, because his incumbent team is trying to sign him, that's the wild. Bill Guerin has said he wants to bring him back. Yeah, I think he has to make that decision first. I think he's really beginning to think about it now, about 
what he wants to do. So I think we could get some clarity on Flurry in the not too distant future. And the thing about Flurry is, mm-hmm. I think I said this at the time. You know, there were people who said that he did not want to go to Toronto. I don't think that's true. I just think that the Maple Leafs and the Blackhawks could not agree on the trade. And that's because Chicago wanted Nyes and Toronto wasn't willing to do that. But I do think if they had made a deal, he was going to go to Toronto. And just so everyone's on the same page, that's Matthew Nyes, second round draft pick from last season, Mm -hmm. playing at the University of Minnesota. Okay, let's get to Kemper. I have heard there's a decent chance he signs in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means, but I've heard there's a decent chance he stays. Well, that's not fun. We don't want to hear people staying. Elliot, we want to hear. Yeah, (laughs) I think they're working on trying to get Kemper and Nichushkin done. Some people wondered if, if Eric Johnson would retire which would clear some room. Eric Johnson's not retiring. I think he has about zero desire to do that. I mean, he might need half the season off next year for the alcohol detoxification. But But that's the whole team. But that's the whole team. Colorado's (laughs) going to get off to be a really poor start next year. That Curtis McDermott video was incredible. Who's going to tell? Oh, my goodness. Who's going to take longer to dry out? The Avalanche or the, uh, the Washington Capitals when they won the Stanley Cup? Let the battle begin. It's amazing. But I do think there's a decent chance of Kemper's days, and I've heard they're working on trying to get Nichushkin done too. Uh, Simeon Varlamov, there was interest this season. Uh, Is there still interest now? We should mention as well, he does have a modified no-trade clause. So here's the thing. I think there were teams who asked the Islanders about Varlamov in the offseason and were told no. And then there were some reports earlier Monday that he was available. And Lamorello, he's a tough nut to crack. We all know that. He's not telling anybody what he's thinking. He probably loves the conflicting reports. He's probably sitting in his office smiling about, ah, I've got the, all these guys screwed up again. I go back to what he said after the trade deadline. He said, I've got a good tandem here, and we have two goalies who get along, and he's clearly a mentor for Sorokin. I think that's still the way he thinks. I really believe if he trades Varlamov, it's because he's given an offer so good he just can't say no to it, or he has to do it because he's got something else. Something else he really feels he needs to do to make his team better. But my default position is Varlamov staying unless one of those two things happen. Okay, is Mason Marchment staying with Florida? He had a great season with the Panthers on that third line, which was elite as far as third line goes around the NHL. 47 points, 18 goals in 54 games. But is he done with the Panthers? So I wrote in my notes on Saturday night, Sunday morning, that he's likely uh, priced himself out of there. I did get a call from someone who said not so fast. The Panthers are trying to keep him. Now, the other thing that happened here is Duclair's injury. It buys them some time on LTIR. Duclair, as they announced, is supposed to be back midway through the season, which I was very happy to hear. But what that could do is buy Florida some extra time with their roster. I do think they like Marchman a lot. I think Marchman likes it there. I think Marchman feels some loyalty to them because they got him going. I just wonder if they can get to a number that makes sense. But I do think Florida is trying to keep him. 
Let's stay in the state. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning making headlines recently with the Ryan McDonough deal uh, going to Nashville in exchange for Philip Myers and Grant Mismash. There was some speculation that Myers might get bought out, but not so fast. They're going to work with him, work on the skating, and wave their Tampa Bay Lightning Elliott magic wand mm-hmm. uh, over Philip Myers with the hopes that he can find himself a home on that back end. Your thoughts on Tampa right now? Philip Myers... Norris Trophy 2025. <laughs> That's what someone texted me. Book it. So they're trying to get Palat done. I don't want to handicap that one way or the other. I've just been told it's a challenge. I think obviously there's a lot of interest in Palat, and we'll see. I would never say never. I've just heard it's been a bit of a challenge. But there's still time, and we know people like to stay in Tampa. The other thing I think is I think they are going to try to get long-term extensions done with Chernak, Sorelli, and Sergachev this summer. If you look at a lot of their recent guys, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Hedman, they signed early. Mm -hmm. I think that's Tampa's plan to see if they can extend all those guys early. Yeah. So there were a couple teams in addition to Nashville who went, I think, pretty hard at McDonough. One of the teams was Columbus and... I wasn't hugely surprised to hear that because I heard that Columbus wanted to upgrade their defense and they're still a growing team. I think the Blue Jackets recognized it was going to be tough for them because they're still on their rebuild and they're not in a position to win right away, but they wanted to try it anyway. So they gave it a shot. McDonough ultimately chose Nashville, but I think Columbus was one of the teams that uh, really wanted them and really tried to pitch him to go there. Okay, getting back to goaltenders and Elliot and everybody's favorite topic, the Toronto Maple Leafs. What's the latest with Jack Campbell and Kyle Dubas' squad? I just don't think there's a lot going on. I assume at some point in time they're going to have a conversation, but I've heard that there's like nothing really going on there right now. I think Edmonton's interested. I think New Jersey's interested. I've had some people say they think he's going to end up with the Devils. I've had some people say they think he's going to end up with the Oilers. What that says to me is that people don't really have a good handle on it yet. This has been a weird year of negotiations between Toronto and Campbell. The team's not talking. The agent's not talking. I've reported before that I heard that the first offer from Toronto to Campbell was around three times 2.75. And that I think was maybe even before the year started. I was going to say that must've been early in the season. Yeah. Or before the year started, what someone told me on Monday was that the third year of that deal was really low. What I'm guessing is that Campbell came back as, you know, most players would, I think in that situation, with a really big number that the Leafs just said, we're not doing that. Now, I'm not sure any of this stuff is still relevant. I get a sense that everybody here would argue that's over and now we're in a new spot. But somebody was just telling me this on Monday. It's been so wild how the Leafs and Campbell haven't been on the same page contract-wise all season. Like sometimes you have a golf and eventually you move together. Like there's some cases right now, Forsberg, Latang appear to be a couple of those cases where you're not close, but you move together. This person said to me, the two of them haven't even been in really the same universe for a long time. 
basically with that third year offer to Campbell being, I was told, uniquely low in the third year. And then what must have come back with something that was just on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I think what it did is it basically shut down negotiations between the two sides and they haven't really picked up again. I think this is one of those situations where all the goalies, all the teams that need a goalie and all the agents are trying to figure out where the landscape is. Hmm. And it's a big poker game right now, a big poker game. Would you believe this then? I'm of the belief based on what I've heard and people that I've spoken to over the course of this season that the number for Campbell is somewhere in the five range and the issue isn't so much the number. And this is for other teams. Like this is for, okay, so New Jersey is interested, per se. Edmonton is interested, per se. The issue is not so much the money because I think a lot of people think it's going to end up being a variation of Cal Peterson. Yeah. The Cal Peterson deal or the Linus Allmark deal. Yeah. But that's five years that the hangup isn't necessarily the number, but the term that more teams are comfortable at three. But if you can get to four, that might be the magic number for Jack Campbell Four years on term. That is so essentially Cal Peterson plus one. I've had people suggest to me, he could get five years. So the Linus Allmark deal then. I think your five-ish number Mm -hmm. is probably where that gets to. Like if Kemper signs in Colorado, which like I've told you is a decent chance that happens, it's going to squeeze the market a bit. I think there'll be goalies disappointed because they'd love to go to Colorado, hell of a team. Mm -hmm. But I think there'll also be goalies happy because they think it'll mean some teams will be like, oh man, we can't afford to not have a seat at the table. And you mentioned one of those teams, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. Let's get there now. What are you hearing about them? I think Edmonton's got a lot going on. I think they are moving pieces across the chessboard. They're trying to move money out so they can create some room to do things. You know, Pugliarvi's name has been out there. Everybody's heard it. Cassian's name has been out there. Everybody's heard it. Fogel, Barry, all these names have been out there. You know, I'd be curious if... A team like Montreal would have interest in Barry. You know, Pierre mentioned it in his column today, but I heard it today also about the possibility of Giroux in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you that I had some people say to me today, he wouldn't go to Colorado. Are you sure he'd want to go to Edmonton? But I do think that's been discussed, and I do think it's possible that Edmonton's willing to give him more than one year. I think that's one of the things here is, you know, what are people willing to do on term with this? Mm -hmm. I think Edmonton has a lot of things going on. They've got players they're thinking of moving out and to create room for people to bring in. I think they're interested in Campbell, and I think they're interested in Giroux. The question is, is Giroux, who wasn't willing to go to Colorado, Mm -hmm. willing to go to Edmonton? Well, then what's happening down the street with the Calgary Flames? I know a lot of it revolves around Johnny Gaudreau and that decision. We talked about that last podcast. Um, how much else is there for Brad for living right now? Or is it just Johnny Gaudreau watch? It's Gaudreau watch, and I think they're going to try to get some clarity this week. I think they're going to try to ask for some this week. You know, if, if Debrinket was going to Philly, that probably closes a Gaudreau door, right? A big one. 
Yes. If Dabrinkit's not going there. But again, I have also heard that Philly is weighing. You know, they were 40 points out of the playoffs. Do they need one guy or do they need three or four guys? Mm-hmm. Well, if they need three or four guys, they got to make some cap space to get them. Yes. Which is a whole separate conversation. Yes. Vancouver Canucks, most recently uh, re-upping with Brock Besser. It is a three-year deal. The AAV is 6.65. Trade protection is not existent in this one, Elliot. I don't think they're looking to trade him. First of all, if you haven't read it, great piece by Ian McIntyre, who interviewed Besser. Yep. Uh, really good piece. I don't think Vancouver's trying to trade Besser. I think there's a realization that last year was an extremely difficult for year for him and his family. Of course. The Besser family, they, if you, you know, you read the stories about Brock throughout his career and what a genuine person he is and, and how much his father meant to him. He can start with a new mind next year. And I think the Canucks want to see that. I, I think they want to see what it means for him. And I think he wants to show them that, you know, he had an interesting line. He said, I scored 23 goals basically. And I wasn't all there. My head wasn't all there. That's a guy who really believes in himself, and I just don't think they're going to trade him right now. Mm -hmm. Horvat, I think he's going to be extended this summer. I think they're on the way to do that. I'm assuming they'll take one more shot at extending Miller. I just don't know. It seems to be against what Vancouver wants to do with term. And I did write something in my notes that people are wondering about, like Vancouver's surprise move. Someone just said to me that the Canucks were looking at a forward who's a combination of a scorer and a really tough guy to play against. Maybe it's Miller Light. I was going to say, it sounds like you're talking about JT Miller right now. <laughs> yeah. Miller Light. Tastes great. Less filling. We got Lamarillo Light, and now we got Miller Miller Light. Yes, Miller, Miller Light. Yeah. Someone said to me that they're looking at that. They're looking for, yeah. they're looking at a forward who can score and be a real SOB to play against. Elliot Friedman reports Nazem Kadri to the Vancouver Canucks. I just don't think they have the money for that. No, I don't yes. think so either. Let me ask you one thing about JT Miller. Just from the outside, it very much looks like this is sizing up if they're going to do a deal that it's either going to be with the Washington Capitals or the New York Rangers. Does it feel slash seem the same way to you? I always assume there's teams out there that we're not thinking about, but those two make a lot of sense. Someone suggested to me today, I actually thought this was interesting. He said, do you think that the Rangers would go for Evan Rodriguez as a number two center? I said, do you think he can play 2C? He said, yeah, I think he could. Hmm. Just throwing it out there. This was a player, by the way. A player suggested this. Wouldn't be as expensive as the JT Miller option or some of the other options that are out there. I think the big question is, you know, can this mystery candidate, this mystery 2C in New York, can they play with our Tammy Panarin? Mm. That's a big one. But then I always catch myself and I say, well, who can't play with our Tammy Panarin? The guys. Yeah, you're probably the problem. The, yeah, the guy, <laughs> the guy makes the game easy. Rick Bonus, let's get there. Winnipeg Jets find their coach. It is Rick Bonus and uh, listen, I'll be blunt, in a real surprise move by the Winnipeg Jets for each. Yeah, it caught me by surprise. I know they've been talking about him as an assistant, so I didn't even really think of him as the head coach. 
I was a little bit surprised by the reaction. First of all, they were all expecting Barry Trotz. No, no, no. I'm talking about post-Trotz. We knew for a week that it wasn't going to be Trotz. I have to tell you, like, I know some of the candidates. They just said the week after, it was crazy. They just said you could tell the Jets were disappointed and they were kind of really wrestling with which way they could go. And he said you could see they were really stressed. We've talked before about the familiarity and Winnipeg thinks this is such a big hire that they wanted someone they kind of knew a bit. The thing about Bonus is, if you remember when he took over in Dallas, it was an unusual and difficult situation. Yes. That was Jim Montgomery fired for cause and it came out as a big surprise and they were reeling and he stabilized the ship. You know, they went to a Stanley Cup final. You know, they went to the first round this year. You know, some young players like Jason Robertson really thrived under bonus. And some young players like Gurianov didn't, and he'll get a fresh start this year. But they play with a lot of structure. It's, they're kind of an interesting team. Like they played different ways depending what the score was. Anyway, the point I'm saying is Winnipeg's reeling a bit right now. They didn't get the coach they wanted. I think things after Trot said no were were a little crazy. They've got some roster issues with players who want to go or aren't 100% happy. I know there were people last year who were their fans who said they didn't like the structure they did or didn't play with. Bonus to me, he can handle all that. He handled a really tough situation in season in Dallas. And they play with structure. I get it. I know there were some people, they said, ah, it's not inspiring. He was basically retiring. I don't think he was retiring. I mean, I thought he was going to retire initially, but the day they announced he was leaving, he made it very clear to anyone who was interested that he would listen if there were other options out there that he liked. I get this one for Winnipeg. I realized it's not the sexiest hire, And I hope that the Bonus family doesn't think I'm insulting Rick Bonus by not calling him sexy. I get. (laughs) That's the best line you've ever said on this (laughs) podcast. I hope the Bonus family doesn't feel insulted that I'm not calling Rick sexy. (laughs) What a life. I get what Winnipeg's doing here. I think they're saying we're reeling. We've had a really tough year and potentially tough offseason. We need someone who's going to have us playing a certain way and is going to have a firm hand on the rudder because he did it in Dallas. That team could have fallen apart that year. Mm -hmm. He didn't let it happen. I get why they did this. I get this one. I look at this and say, I think stylistically, Rick Bonus wasn't going to coach the way the Dallas Stars want to play anymore. And so there wasn't room for him there anymore. With the Winnipeg Jets here, Frege, I wonder right away if this is an acknowledgement that maybe job number one here is the blue line needs help. You know, players like Neil Pyong talked about this at the end of the season. There's a lot of disappointment all around the Winnipeg Jets organization. And I wonder if this hiring is intended to give the blue line a shot in the arm. What's the one thing we know about Rick Bonus? He knows how to coach D. 
He knows how to handle defensemen. And he plays a game that will benefit you if you're disciplined defensively, and he will make you disciplined defensively. Correct. We always circle back to the formative young years of Victor Hedman with Tampa. Heiskanen. Who was, yeah, Heiskanen's another one. Who was the key guy there helping those two defensemen? Rick Bonus. Yep. That's what this one kind of looks like to me. I want to throw another name into the Kadri discussion. And it's a name that I, I'm just going to keep banging this drum until free agency and probably deep into summer as well because I suspect that they'll be noisier than maybe some people suspect. I wonder about Nazem Kadri and the Detroit Red Wings. Hmm. Now, I know that he's asking for a lot of money. I get that. You had talked about Dylan Larkin and an impending contract extension. At least that's mm -hmm. the Steve Eiserman and the Detroit Red Wings wishes. I think that one, I hesitate to predict anything Eiserman does. I think that one gets done. The Dylan Larkin deal. Yes. Yeah. Now watch, Eiser, because it got out, Eiserman will cancel it. Sorry. Sorry, Dylan Larkin. Sorry. Fridge ruined your extension. <laughs> I think that one gets done. Don't hold me to it, but I think it gets done. This is my thinking behind it. This is a team that needs centers. This is a team that has cap space. This is a team that has been selling hope for a long time. And you're starting to see that now with Cider. You're seeing that with Raymond. Simon Edvinson's on the horizon. I think we all believe he's going to play on that blue line next year. So you're starting to see, you know, some of the younger guys there. But now's a time where I think internally the Red Wings think, okay, we need to do more than just sell some young kids here. We need to start selling some wins and put some veteran players around these guys. I look in net for the Detroit Red Wings. I certainly looked, I think last year on the podcast, I just mentioned only half jokingly, I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Eisman used every single pick on a goaltender. They did end up going to get a goaltender in Sebastian Cosa, but part of me was thinking maybe they just used every single pick on a goalie. It would be an Eisman thing to do because it will throw everybody off and no one would see it coming. But I think that Detroit's going to spend more money than people think this offseason. And I think Detroit's going to really try to compete next year in the NHL and they have the flex to do it right now. I wonder about Kadri there knowing they have a center position to fill. Mm. I wonder about someone like Ryan Strom mm. to Detroit as well. I just think that Detroit's going to be friskier than I, I think a lot of people suspect for each. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of free agents hoping that's the case. Mm -hmm. see. The thing is, I just think these agents are too smart so Cop and Strom have been talking with the Rangers. If they're turning down things or not saying yes to things, I think they've got to know there's something out there. Because a lot of these players are nervous and a lot of these agents are nervous that there's no money out there. Yeah. Now, it's one thing if you're not getting an offer. But if you're turning down things then you must think you've got something else out there. That there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. We shall see. All right. Next stop for you and me is Montreal. We're both on early flights. Uh, Amel is already there. Uh, anything you're particularly interested in following as we get there, Ellie? We will do a podcast, by the way, post-draft. What are you looking forward to here? Who's going one? You're the expert at this stuff. I still think at the end of it, Shane Wright goes first overall. Okay. I really do. I think, you know, you look at the second half of his season. I know that there's the, the criticism about some indifferent play all throughout the season. Here's what I think. I think the Montreal Canadiens end up taking Shane Wright, and the only controversy around it is 
they might just send him back to the OHL next season. Let's not forget, this guy lost an entire year of development as well. Uh, that's what I, f- I feel for him. I think he's getting picked apart because of that. You know what? You know, I had a conversation with someone today who told me something really interesting, and I, I should never lose sight of this. You know who always gets picked apart? Who's that? Players who get exceptional status. Well, that's true, because you play too many years there. You get an extra year. By the time John Tavares got, yes. you know, got there, now Connor McDavid didn't get his game picked apart, and well, it's like Connor McDavid is... Even Bo Meester, who was around a long time, he got his game picked apart too. Guys that are around a long time before they get to the NHL and players that are granted exceptional status, because there's that extra time where you have, you know, another year's worth of eyeballs on you. That's what I wonder about with Shane Wright. Maybe is everybody just overthinking this thing? And the most obvious thing is staring at you right there. Mm-hmm. And it's Shane Wright. I still think push comes to shove. Ken Hughes goes up there on Thursday and says, from the Kingston Frontenacs of the OHL, the Montreal Canadiens are proud to select Shane Wright. Okay. I'm going to hold that to you if you're wrong. <laughs> but you know what? I tend to agree with you. I really do. Like based on the, hang on, I mean, based on the people, I mean, listen, we, we talked to you know some people that are the same and others that are, that are different, but like in the nature of your conversations, because it's impossible to have a conversation, you know, last week or this week with anybody and not have the name Shane Wright pop up. Yes. Like what is the nature of the conversations that you're having about Shane Wright right now? Well, the one thing I think is I think the Canadians have done an excellent job of hiding their intentions. Someone said to me today, do you think the Canadians can afford to go up there and not take Shane Wright? Like, what if their fans boo them? And my answer to that is, you have to do what you think is right. Yeah. If you think Shane Wright is the right pick, take him. If you don't think he's the right pick, don't take him. You can't worry about the crowd reaction. You have to go out there and take the guy who you think helps you win or you think is best. That's it. I don't disagree. It'll be a fascinating draft. There are a couple of defensemen that may throw a wrench into the top five. We'll end up seeing who uh, ends up being the big riser or the big faller. This draft isn't loaded with the um, you know generational talents that we're used to in some previous drafts, but players are getting some good players here. And I really do, Elliot, look at this draft and say, Inside of you know five years, we'll look back on it and we'll say, you know what? Vancouver ended up winning this thing or the Flyers or Columbus ended up winning this thing. Or maybe even just say Montreal did with the obvious pick uh, of Shane Wright. I, I think this is going to be a fascinating redraft, probably pretty quick because opinion all over the place is all over the place mm-hmm. about where everybody slots mm-hmm. here. It'll be a fascinating one. Very much looking forward to getting to Montreal. Scale of one to 10, how busy a trade day will Thursday be? Well, every year I say it's going to be really busy and I always miss. So I'm going to go opposite. I'm going reverse psychology. Nothing will happen. How busy will day two be then? Day two will be busy. Day one chums the water. Day two brings Jaws into the boat. So says Elliot Friedman. Yes. Thanks for listening to this quickie edition of the podcast. Taking us out, an artist who created an album out of tragedy. Kevin Morby's This is a Photograph finds a musician reminding us that time is undefeated. From his recently released self-titled record, and it's a good one, here's Kevin Morby with This is a Photograph on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. We'll see you in Montreal. This is a photograph. 
a window to the past of your father on the front line with no shirt on, ready to take the world on beneath the West Texas sun. The year that you were born, the year that you are now. His wife behind the camera, his daughter and his baby boy. Got a glimmer in his eye. See me say, this is what I miss after I die. And this is what I miss about being alive. My body. Girl, my boy, the sun. 